When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Right, everyone, I'd ask how we're doing, but let's get real here. That's a very stupid question. This is Gigpod, episode 206, and I'm Stevie, and joining me for this one is Tony from Pod Tim's and Rizzo's Absence, who honestly couldn't be bothered being negative about Celtic yet again. So he's left that to us, Tony. Now, it's not like I get a kick out of these pods, but ignoring Saturday is definitely a coward's option. Um, if you've been hiding under a rock and not been born with Celtic, and I don't blame you, we lost 2-0 against Hearts. And by the time you do, or the majority of people do listen to this, we're only going to be two points clear after being at one stage, uh, ten clear, just a couple of months ago. Pretty astonishing. But Tony, I know you did on your pod last night, uh, you get torn into Rogers, the team, and the club itself as a whole, uh, and also thanks for coming on and joining me after you were ranting uh, with the rest of the guys on Four Tims, but how are you feeling today? after that shambles on Saturday. Disillusion is probably the word I would use. I don't feel like raging. It's just I've had my rant yesterday. I was at the game on Saturday. I just, it, 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 nothing, none of this feels like a surprise. It feels like it's been kind of in the post. Um, it just feels a bit like deja vu. It does feel a bit like 2020, whereby there's so many different people in so many different positions at Celtic that are making terrible mistakes, whether that be on the pitch, in the dugout, uh, the boardroom, and then just other people involved in the club. There's such a, a disconnect. Um, the atmosphere is ridiculous. i seen it on Twitter being referred to as a green Etihad, which is fair. Um, so you've got the, the Green Brigade problem, um, where the board just seem to be digging their heels in. You seem to have a bit of a disconnect between potentially the manager and the players because he said some kind of scathing things about them. Uh, you then had fans finally turn on the board, which I'm sure you know I'm, I'm all for, for. I think they've, they've failed miserably. I think we've spoken about the nepotism at the club. Um, the recruitment in the summer was, was harped on about. It was mostly tackled the champ- because of the Champions League that we hadn't strengthened enough to... To win the Champions, uh, to win the Champions League, Jesus, you need to edit that out to compete in the Champions League. Um, but now it's a fact that we've not recruited well enough by the looks of it to to win the league. I think that's in danger now. So I think the recruitment's been poor. I think I know you're going to talk about it. I think the manager's been poor. Uh, I think the players, a lot of them, most of them, maybe apart from Matt O'Reilly, have regressed. And I just really d- dislike the board. I think they they were all at the EGM giving themselves. Um, pats in the back, and I think there was some salaries raised. I think I've seen something to say Michael Nicholson's in £770,000 uh, per annum. Um, cracking jokes about Rangers getting penalties, but 
doesn't really work because Rangers now have the first trophy of the season in the bag. If they win their two games in hand, they'll be a point ahead of us. And um, we're looking in total disarray. There's such a disconnect in so many different levels at the club. So the, the, the performance itself, like I said in the, the podcast last night, when that free kick hit the net, she just blew the whistle and saved us 75 minutes because we never looked like scoring. Um, I don't really know what style of play is. I don't remember any... Do we remember any real chance? I think Kyogo went for one. Uh, there's no other two ways to, to put it. It's extremely boring, which is a total insult to this team that played some some really good stuff under under Postacoglu. But um, angry? No, no. I, I, I don't know if I'm as angry now. I think I don't know what good that's going to get me because I've come up with so many different things I want to happen at the club. But I, but I know they won't because the board and Desmond hold the power and. And uh, we don't, unfortunately. We're just the customers who have to, to give them our money and shut up. I'm coming to terms with Saturday. Um, that was a real shock for me, Tony. Now, this season, there's been some poor results, but I've always felt as if we were we were in control of things. That draw against St Johnston at the start of the season. On another day, we won that. Their goalkeeper made some fantastic saves. Yes, we were slow, we were ponderous, but we did create chances. And I thought, you know, again, on another day, Matt O'Reilly scores a couple. Well, winning that 2-0. Commander game at the start of the season. You've got Narotsky and uh, Lagabielka in there. Two new centre-halves joining on that plastic pitch. And I just thought, very, very poor performance. Kelly were well worth the win, but these things happen. That Hibs game was one of the worst that I've seen. And I've seen some right bad games at Easter Road where we drew 0-0 against them. Late in the final day of the COVID season. And then that first season under Ange, I remember doing that video with Hamish after it and I was losing the plot at just how bad a game it was and the performance was stinking. For me, the game against Motherwell, I wouldn't say it was a red flag, but it was uh, alarm bells ringing in the background from me, Tony, where I was like, we had to get two penalties. And then the fact that we couldn't see out the game in injury time for that, I was like, that's a worry. I mean, that is poor. But it was more the game management for Brendan. I thought that, no, working that in the training ground, they'll go for it again. And hopefully, you know, we bounce back. That's a lesson learned. Shouldn't have to be in that position, but I was willing to overlook it and go, do you know what, we'll move on. A lot of GigPod listeners tuning in might not know this, but the reason we came back was during that COVID season. Uh, obviously, myself and Rizzo gave up GigPod in 2017 after the Bayern 2-1 defeat in the Champions League. Just had a lot of things going on personally. But of course, uh, the world was standing still during COVID. Football was still going on. We couldn't get into the stadiums. All we could do was... Unfortunately, get behind a keyboard and rant about Celtic at that time. But on that COVID season, I remember thinking, right, this is I've not I've not seen one single good performance other than maybe three nothing against Hibs. Tumble scored um, a Yeti and Julian as well. Maybe could be wrong there. That might have been against Motherwell. Point being, I never thought, despite the fact that Rangers had started that season well, I never thought again that uh, we were letting it slip away from us. I always felt that we were in control, and then Rangers come to Celtic Park and just. You know, body has totally dismantled his 2-0. That was a match that sparked Gigpod back into life, thanks to you guys. You did a podcast after it, and for about an hour and a half, I was just like agreeing with every word you said. And that was, you know, the, the shock of that performance, that, that podcast really helped me. Um, and maybe it helped a lot of people understand just where this club was. That result on Saturday, and the performance on Saturday, shocked me more than the one against Rangers. Back in 2020, I could understand that we put in a poor performance and Rangers punished us. They did have good players. That heart side, I wouldn't say like man for man, they're any better than we are, but they did things as a team. While that Celtic team on Saturday were just all over the place, and I'm talking from the very back, your goalkeeper should be the one to settle that defence, and, and Joe Hart, 
as we said, I mean, me and Reid so said it constantly. The first game of the season, fourth game against Ross County, I just don't know why we didn't go and upgrade that position in the summer. As we said, he was going to cost us, and both of the goals on Saturday, as good as that free kick was, and as good as Shanklin's header was, they're both so avoidable. And there was a lot of people, it wasn't just me, there was a lot of people actually around about me, Tony, um, getting visibly angry. And I've never seen like the guy to the, who sits to the left of me leaving uh, so early. As soon as Kingsley made it 2-0, he was away, he said to me, I don't know why Andy's staying here. We're never pulling it back. And he was probably right, and I knew that, but I still find it very difficult to um, leave because... All it takes is a Celtic goal and we're back in it. That's it's a denialism thing with me, Tony, but that's what I am. I always just think, you know, we get a goal before half time, Hearts might end up bottling it because that's what a lot of these teams do at Celtic. Part of me seen it time and time again uh, when Celtic do get a goal. There's like, you know, the, the crowd get up for it, the players respond to it, and uh, we're all in sync together. But you never felt that was going to come on Saturday and it was a real letdown. Now, all the way for Joe Hart at the back, I mean, that just. Guys like CCV were getting dragged down with just how poor we were. I was like, before the game, what? You know, why is Tumble starting? I don't understand this thing where he's starting in these games, but Bernardo plays in the Champions League. Can't get my head around what Brendan's doing with Mikey Johnston, who was absolutely terrible against Kilmarnock in that defeat last week, but he plays against Feyenoord. Puts in one good ball, but he's missing, and he's just in a position to fail because... He wasn't even helped by Alistair Johnston, who I felt had one of his poorest performances in a Celtic jersey. He was subbed at half-time too, and the way that the midfield and the entire team are just like sort of hampering Kyogo with service, and I think Kyogo's got to look at himself as well, because he's not getting involved, but it's the manager that should be able to get the best out of this team, and especially guys like Kyogo, who we know isn't a dud. But I'm just shocked at just how much like our star players, guys like CCV, guys like McGregor, even O'Reilly on Saturday and Kyogo, are getting dragged down with the rest of the squad and at one point in the second half like there, there was arguments round about me as well um, some people leaving at 50 odd minutes they're getting chanted about being a part-timer or fuck off and support the team and then guys are shouting back no why should I support this team when they're going to do fuck all anyway they're not going to score and I can get both points but in that Covid season the team and the board were obviously hindered by the fact that there's no fans but the fact that the fans weren't there to vent their fury meant they were able to get away with it. There's no hiding place for it now. I would actually say Ange Tony in those last two years was probably the big distraction there that if it was any other manager, I think you'd have seen those scenes a lot earlier in the season after COVID and then just last season too. From your perspective, and I know you're in that big fancy box, were you surprised at just how angry the fans were on Saturday? No, because I was angry myself. I was raging at the time. I thought that the sack the board chance were... Were great. I was I was happy to hear that was a, probably as much as I celebrated was the sack the board chance and Lawwell Lawwell get to fucking I don't think uh, Lawwell was actually at the game to be fair. Um, I think that's I think as you say, the board escaped any real pressure being put on them because there was a pandemic. There was the one uh, incident when I think maybe three four hundred fans turned up after the League Cup defeat, and I think that just caused um, them to dig their heels in and. Just to get back at the fans, almost they, they kept playing in, in a position until February. I actually seen that Lennon's come out and support a Dermot Desmond, which is just an absolute shock. Another inept person that was involved in the club. So I uh, no, I think I think I, I don't think we'll beat Livingston. I think there's a chance we're going to draw now. Now I said that to you earlier on. I just I just don't see where the goals are coming from. I think the squad's a mess. If you're subbing people at half time. Can he do anything for their confidence? 
Uh, Mikey Johnson can't play for us again. I said in our pod last night, I don't want to slag the guy. I think he, he must be feeling absolutely dreadful. Um, just need to either rip up his contract if nobody will take him in January and just, just cut ties because it's actually dreadful mismanagement to be playing somebody that's, that's that bad, really. The manager's subs, I don't understand. Like Burnaby coming on, I don't know. Is he trying to send a message to the board? But then he's he's, he's said that he's, he's come back because he's happy with the recruitment team. Doesn't he really, really add up? But I think um, I think if the Green Brigade are back in for Saturday, that it's going to get a lot worse because they'll then... I think the, the kind of issue between them and the board, it's now in the Green Brigade's hands because the, the board can't say up as a Green Brigade or a... The boys that were turning on them, it was norm, normal fans um, that, that aren't part of Ultras groups that were that were having a pop, and, and rightly so. And But I think that's what needs to happen. You need to crank pressure up on these people. They're paid unbelievable amounts of money. And as I said last night, you seen the guy that was shouting him, just remove, remove for security. Green Brigade removed, four times said something on Twitter and retweeted something, banned them for press conferences. This guy shouting at Michael Nicholson, just take him out of the stadium. It is. I think Andy called that a bit of a dictatorship. Um, if you dare question us, how dare you? Just out you get. So, um, I think the club are going down a kind of dangerous route. I think, um, as, as you've mentioned, Rangers are obviously in the, the up. They're kind of united behind the guy Clement. I still, I still don't think they're a good team. I mean, they've still got a lot of bad players. That, that I mean, Michael Beale, I think, is the reason that we are no well behind. I think, as we say, if we manage to fall over the line with this title, he should he should probably lift it for us, if I'm honest. But now people get more angry because I think a lot of our fans don't really react until the league's in jeopardy. I think it's difficult to get support when you're moaning about Europe because a lot of fans just see Europe as a luxury, whereas I don't. I think we should be performing much better. But when... When some fans think that Sevco are going to get the, the big Champions League money, that's when that's when people start to really act. So I think any more drop points against Livingston or Dundee, I think it's going to erupt a lot more. And then the 30th, it could just all kind of just totally go crazy if, if Rangers can come to our patch with no fans and, and turn us over with a guy like Dessers playing for them. I mean, that, um, that would be quite incredible. It was odd that the, the thing with Celtic and when we, we get ourselves into these messes, they're so avoidable. For example, Lennon should never have got the job, so that was avoidable. We should have done due diligence and never gave him the job, but we did. Um, then we should have sacked him early and gave ourselves a chance. We didn't. We had umpteen opportunities to remove him. We didn't. Even when Andrew started to build a bit of momentum his first season, the club sat and thought, who should we employ as our kind of head of security or whatever it was? Let's employ a guy that's been involved in Celtic fans getting their doors kicked in. Where is where is the rationale? Where's the thinking there? I mean, as I say, these people are paid unbelievable sums of money to make really stupid decisions. And I think you know yourself, the Bernard Higgins was a done deal near enough until your people like um, the Green Brigade and podcasts and CSCs all basically kind of rallied against it. And that was the kind of power of fans. So that was another kind of showing how they can just shoot themselves in the foot at times. So I, I, I don't really understand that. When we get into positions of strength, we seem to like to go back the way for whatever reason. But you win a treble and then you don't strengthen properly in the summer. 
Uh, it just, just really strange decision people. I mean, uh, decision making. The people who can't be stupid. I mean, you don't be making that amount of money if you're stupid. But the, the, some of the, the some of the stuff, decision making wise, is is absurd. Staying with the board now. Uh, in the club itself, Tony, right? I actually agree. The chance of starting the board and Lowell get to fuck uh, was so refreshing. It's all very well good saying, like, sat the board and some people, even even now, are refusing to blame the manager for what's going on now and just automatically blame the board and that's fine, but... And it's fine saying that because I actually agree with it, but they vote themselves in every year. They pat themselves on the back. People aren't going to stop buying merchandise, Tony. They're not going to stop renewing. So how is it done? I mean, I don't think you are going to have the answers. Rhetorical question here, but what is the most effective way to get them out? Because as far as I can see, as long as they are constantly voting themselves in at these AGMs, making their daft wee jokes about Rangers, who, as we've already said, are trending upwards while we are fucking trending downwards, I just don't see how it's possible. I really don't. And I think year after year, we're going to be having this same conversation. Peter Lawwell and his family are still going to be at the top of that club. Desmond... He's going to be passing it down to his son um, and you're just going to see all the pals, the guys like Michael Nicholson and people that are already on that board replacing them. I don't know how you can replace them but I, I'd honestly wouldn't be shocked if we're having this conversation yet again in a year's time and it just adds to the whole malaise and the boredom feeling around the club. Uh, unfortunately, I, d- I don't have the answers to that. Well, the, the answer is that every season ticket holder withholds their money until until they, they agree to sell up and all the board members are sacked, but there is more chance of me getting a season ticket at Ibrooks next year, to be totally honest. Um, no, I think it's, it, at the moment it looks like a complete uh, impossibility. I don't think people trust uh, the Celtic Trust, ironically. They kind of had a wee bit of sway in 2020, but then I, th- I think one of the guys that was involved with Zane was, was really pally with Lennon, and it wasn't he? It it just it, it didn't work. Um, essentially, I don't know how you how you actually get rid of them. I mean, they're never gonna resign. I mean, and why why would they? They've got such a cushy number. Desmond's not gonna sack his son. Lawwell's not gonna sack his son. I've spoken about this before. Desmond's pally with Lawwell. He's not gonna sack his pal or his pal's son. So um, but but then if you if you talk in the lines of withdrawing money, it's all oh, you're spoiled and. Five trebles in seven years, and this is ridiculous. And you've no lost at home for two years, but there's no context given to that in terms of. I seen a, somebody tweeted it the other day. I don't know who it was. Um, that says we should be the Bayern Munich of Scotland, and it was spot on. Bayern Munich, I think, are maybe in eleven in a row, eleven in a row, or twelve in a row. They won just about everything. It's true the fact that I think they've got the most finances. We brag, your fans brag. Their board brag about our finances and how much money we have, but we don't seem to want to push on and push further. Um, and I've made the point before: our greatest ever achievement, which is over fifty-five years ago now, we still sing about it. We still love the guys that that played in that team. Was the Lisbon Lions? They won the European Cup. We still harp on about it. It's it's the statues of Jock Steen, Jimmy Johnston, and. Uh, Billy McNeil holding the cup outside the stadium. But for some reason, we just now accept that oh, we don't have the money to compete in Europe, but Hearts and Kelly are capable. Kelly twice are beating us. We, we basically no funds. Again, again, you can blame the manager for that, and you can, but I, I would blame the board and recruitment more than anything for the lack of um, competing in the Champions League. So for me, uh, people can call us spoiled, but 
if your board's constantly telling you we're the biggest club in Scotland, we've got all this money, we hold all the cards, then then I don't I don't think it's spoiled to say well I want to continually win trebles, I want to continually dominate Scottish football and compete in Europe. I, I don't think that's spoiled. I think that's having ambition. I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting Celtic to be as ambitious as possible. And I think this board as we've said before, whenever it's been, they've looked like they've had all the power and that there's a chance to really kick on, they seem to make silly mistakes. Like John McGinn was a mistake, even going all the way back. No signing Stephen Fletcher, and in, in I think somebody mentioned that at the AGM, in 2009 was a mistake, but if we'd have signed him, we'd have probably won the league. It's this kind of, it's no wanting to take risks, but the way that they don't take risks end up being massive risks. So because they've no properly strengthened in the summer and we've no shot ahead in the league, the league's no at risk because of them and the recruitment and the manager as well. I know I know you want to go to him. So for me, in terms of how do you get rid of them, I think it's going to come for you. If we're ever going to get rid of them, it will be because of people like the Green Brigade and the boys and maybe the Celtic Trust will play a part. And I guess, I don't think we have any power, but all we can do is talk about it. But I don't, I don't, know, I don't know how many people or many fans, we can't speak for anybody, how many fans actually want the board removed. I don't know how many people see Desmond as... Is, is, is a safe pair of hands and just, they, I think a lot of people may have just wanted domestic domination but um, for me I would love I love a new a new direction I'd love a new owner, I'd love to get rid of the nepotism, I would like to see Peter Lowell and his son leave the club I'd like to see the current board and Michael Nicholson leave the club um, and never come back I'd like to see Desmond sell up that's, that's just my opinion because I think we can, we can be better than run them what we are. I think it's all well and good saying we've got seventy million in the bank. We've got seventy million in the bank because of the fans. It's no Peter Lowell or Desmond that's putting this money in. It's no them that put seventy million in. It's the fans who follow up and down the country, they buy the merchandise, they buy the umpteen strips that come out, they buy the Champions League packages that are extortionate. Um it's the fans who are fanatics and uh, who love the club so much, who will always pile money in. Um, so I think the club get credit and the board get credit for things that have nothing really to do with them because us as fans are so fanatic and we will pile thousands of pounds in. And, and that's sad, I don't mind putting money in at the club. And as you know, we love the club. We don't want to be doing podcasts like this, but it's, I feel as though the board are a bit like children where sometimes you need to just kind of clip their wings and remind them that just because they hold the positions of power, it doesn't mean they can just run the club like a bowling club almost, so in terms of how do we remove the board, <laughs> unfortunately I don't know and I think, there's, I think there's a good chance we'll be stuck with some of these people for a long time but I know some people that are, are going to give their season ticket up at the end of the season and that's, and if people want to leave early, it's, it, it, I think that's when you throw these faithful through and through and over and over and even club open to all, all these slogans that kind of help the board, they don't really help the fans so if people want to spend their money and no turn up and just or just leave and go to the pub 20 minutes in, that's, that's up to them if people want to stay and support the team and that's up to them as well. I would never start arguing with another fan over whether they want to leave or whether they want to sack the board or whatever. So, um, no, I think um, I think we'll be stuck with the people we have for a period of time. And then if you win the league at the end of the uh, end of the season, then any ideas of protests or getting rid of the board are gone because the majority is will be happy if we win the league at the end. I'll be, 
I'll be celebrating, but I still want the board removed. We've gave plenty of credit to Brendan and the team this season, you know, when they drew to each with Atletico Madrid. I thought the game management for Brendan was top notch and I was loving the fact that we were resilient in the Champions League for once when we beat Hearts 4-1 at Tynecastle. Complete performance for 90 minutes. I thought we were outstanding that day. I could not be more proud of Brendan Rodgers for that footballing performance uh, on a Sunday when I was terribly hungover, Tony. It was great to see and, you know, you want to see more of that. The thing that really annoys me, though, it's people coming out saying but, but the injuries Brendan's got and I'm sorry but I can't agree with it. I just can't. And now I remember when Ange and his first season, in fact Ange never made any excuses when he came into the job. Never made excuses about the team that he inherited. He just said he's going to get on with it and he, he's not got any time. He knew the size of the club, he knew the demands of the club and he knew right away it doesn't matter what squad he's got, he's going to have to work with it. Um, and he did that and I always remember the December 2021 I think we won like sort of six big games in a row. Beat Hearts 1-0, Dundee United at Tannadice 3-0. Murrible with David Tumble playing up front 1-0 in that Ross County game where Abada was a striker. And then remember we had St Johnston again with Abada as a striker when Kyogo went off. Fair enough, Ange won the games and got the points right. But there was just no complaints, there was no excuses about the injuries. And when I look at that Celtic squad on Saturday, the team that played against Hearts, that as a guy that I spoke to at Sports Hearts, um, spoke to him yesterday, Bothwick of course, who has been on this pod before, who a lot of Gigpod fans laid into, like he said to me, man for man, Celtic should be gubbing that Hearts team. But he said that was the easiest game they've had all season. And Tony, where do you sit? I'm going to go into Brendan in a wee bit more detail, but see before I do, and before I lay all these points out, what do you think about the injury situation, right? Because as far as I'm concerned, the team that he's got and the team that he had on Saturday should have been more than enough to dispose the likes of Hearts. And I say that with a bit of respect, considering that they actually wiped the floor with us on Saturday. I agree, he should be getting much better out of the, the players he has. And, and, and I like Brendan, and you know that, and I wanted him back, I know you didn't. And I think he's a good manager. I know people say if you look at certain seasons, he has his bad seasons, but he's had some really good seasons at Leicester, really good seasons with us, and even if you go further back, he had a good season with Liverpool, and I think Redden or Swansea, was it Swansea, I think, sorry. Would Abada and Hattati made much difference? I I don't really know. I don't think so. Who who else is missing? The injury list is just Abada and Hattati now. Made a come on and was ineffective. I, I don't really know what he's doing. I, I mean, the squad the squad's poor, right? I, I, I think we've got a lot of really... There's so many players I could probably go through them that shouldn't be anywhere near the, the squad. Like Forrest should have been gone years ago. Johnson should have been gone years ago. Joe Hart replaced in the summer. Taylor should have been upgraded on. Burnaby should have been um, sold in the summer. Turnbull's not good enough. Um... But, but, but I guess that's just the question. Would any of the players play for Hearts? I don't know. Maybe some of them. Some of them wouldn't. Like, I don't think Mickey Johnson would get a game for Hearts. I, I think the manager needs to take stick. He's, I mean, he's, I think he's on like 50 grand a week. He shouldn't be getting outdone by Stephen Naismith and Derek McInnes. The players there that he's got, he should be able to put them into a cohesive system that they can, can overcome the likes of Kelly and Hearts. And he, even, if, even if he can't... You don't think you can win. Just don't lose. Set up in a way whereby you take a bit of stick, but you go out there with a draw. And to lose the games and lose them so easily with corners. I mean, I think we'd like 15 corners, never done anything. Hearts get one corner and scored. 
So I, I, just, I think when Hitati comes back, it's going to make any great difference. I don't know, you need to see it all put together, where if I've got maybe Hitati or Riley McGregor, and then you've got Maida, Kyogo, Palmer, or maybe Maida, Kyogo, Abada, and then you're basically going to, oh, there's, there's not going to be any new signings for the summer that will be part of the first team, which would be just unbelievable and would show just how poor that recruitment window is and that that, that really should see Mark Lawwell as head of recruitment sack take away the fact people don't like his dad and stuff like that as a just purely on an assessment basis of his recruitment thus far as head of recruitment has been garbage so therefore he should be removed so I'd need to see um all the players back to, to maybe it would make a difference but I don't think Hitati was playing particularly well before he got injured anyway. No, he was not. And as I said to Rizzo the other week at the start of the season, something just fell off. We just looked like a yard slower with how we were playing the season before. And that was, yes, with Hitati, Abada and Maeda on the team. But I'm just going to go into my points that I made and I'm going to justify them. Uh, on Saturday when I made a post about how Brendan's our highest paid manager uh, in the club's history and yet he's continually picking the wrong starting eleven. The case in point on Saturday... Fair enough with Cameron Carter-Vickers fit. He's put right back in the team. No complaints there. He's our best defender. Dyson Maeda, you know, that's a statement right there. Play him from the start. Get the game won at half-time. And then, if he's not 100%, bring him off second half. And then maybe put a guy like Forrest or Johnston on. But no, picking Mikey Johnston up against a player like Alex Cochran, who I actually rate pretty highly. I think he does some stupid things against Celtic. When he doesn't, He's a very competent fullback, and he practically destroyed his career on Saturday. Uh, you like, I think there was a, a stat doing the rounds. Um, it was why they forwarded on WhatsApps that it was all negative for Johnston. Didn't get by a man, didn't complete a dribble, didn't complete a pass. Like that guy, uh, Cochran, completely pocketed him. And let's not uh, even get me started on Tumble. Like, we're, we're just a man down. I know that Brendan alluded to the fact that Callum McGregor had to play two or three different positions and I think that was another public dig at Tumble for the fact that McGregor was effectively an 8 and a 6 at times in that first half until he was hooked at half time and it's not just against Hearts I mean playing Yang against St Johnston as well they're all move and you know he slaughters Yang as well because I think he was definitely one of the players that he was alluding to who was weak and getting too comfortable at Celtic and then he was dropped for the game against Hibs, but then he comes back in against Kilmarnock, man. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. Kyogo's confidence in form completely shot to pieces. I think the player's got to have a look at himself there. That miss on Saturday against Hearts, I would put that down to the fact that his confidence is shot to bits now. And I put that down to the fact that how Brendan is playing him. He's putting players in positions to fail and take pelters from fans. That's like guys like Yang and again Mikey Johnston on Saturday. Tony, you've probably heard it. I'll, I'll let you come in in a wee minute. But the cheer that went up... And the, a lot of people have said it was a massive cheer when Dyson Maeda came on, but also when it was announced that Mikey Johnston was going off, it was just a massive, like, sarcastic cheer. And it must be so uh, heart-wrenching as a football player to know that you are, the entire crowd dying for you to come off, and your confidence must be taking an absolute doing. But again, that's on the manager. I think it is. I agree with what you said earlier. Mikey Johnston has to be let go for Celtic. He's been here now since 2017, all in all, he's had maybe what fifty, sixty minutes of good football. He can't be he can't be starting again for us. If he has another desperate sub, if we've got an injury crisis, fair enough, we'll have to rely on him. But I think in January it would be the right thing now to tear up his contract, wish him all the best and 
hopefully he can move on with his career and Celtic can, I think they will move on quite comfortably without him. Another one is uh, Lagerbilka. Now, I kind of get my head around this where he, he brings him in to the Champions League game. He comes on and scores, talks him up. His confidence must be flying at this point. And then he's completely dropped for the squad on Saturday. And everybody's asking questions like, what the fuck is going on here? What, what is the thought process behind that? And then you see at half time on Celtic TV, we're doing a hold down. Like, Lagabilka is getting interviewed off Jeremy Culloch, talking about how brilliant things are and how much he can't wait to maybe get a start on Saturday. It's bizarre. Totally bizarre. I don't know what's going on with the guys like Narotsky as well. The public criticism of the team and individuals. I've said, if I was a player under Brendan hearing that, I wouldn't be wanting to play for him. It's the entire opposite of players who are playing under Ange. You're, you know, you're running through brick walls for that guy, whereas with Brendan, if you're hearing you're a coward, uh, you're getting too comfortable and you're lazy and weak, you're like, well, well this is a guy taking £3 million hitting out with us and he's not improving me. Well, go on, fuck him. I don't want to play for him. The set pieces, you, you alluded to it earlier, that was like, what, 15? I thought it was the 18 corners we had, but... Second half, I said to Rizzo, we had like three corners in a row and I was just asking him what the scores were down south because I knew that we were only going to score from them. At one point, uh, Xander Clark barged like two or three players out the road just to claim a ball and I just thought to myself, man, I don't know what we do. If we take them short, it's a failure. When we knock them in the box, it's an absolute failure. I don't know whose responsibility that is. If it's Brendan, John Kennedy, Gavin Strachan, get no idea, but it's been apparent all season. And it's still been allowed to continue. He's not changed it. And it, it's it's getting such a reaction out of it. He's failing to get the most out of a treble winning team. You know, they've went backwards. And look at case in point, Philip Clement across the road. He's inherited a dire Rangers side from a terrible manager. And he's just won the first silverware of the season. And so these dire players, guys like Dessers, um, there's, there's a few more of them, you know, I don't need guys like Barisic, but they'll be feeling invincible, They'll be their tails will be right up, thinking, oh, they've won that already, after being written off all season, what else can they win? Whereas our players must be looking across the city going like that, I wish that was us, but I have my fucking doubts, to be honest, and the last one, he's created a title race by refusing to fix all of the problems that I've just mentioned above, like, he has created this title race, it's, there's one that I don't want to sound entitled in that because we obviously have to work really hard to win every league. You always do. But the amount of points that we squandered and Tony, see when we were, I think when we won at Murrowell, Rangers get beat off Aberdeen. I think we went four clear and then a week after that, I think we went seven clear. At that point, you're thinking like, we'll be staying like this up until January. We'll surely strengthen and they'll be out of sight. But this is why I made that post. Like I, I'm justifying everything what I said in that post as to why I feel Brendan deserves serious criticism. So I know that you like him and you can defend him here or you can uh, go on the offensive with me, but the floor is yours on it. I will get to it. I just want to get back to what you said about Lagerbielka. This is what I'm talking about with kind of ineptitude throughout the whole club. He scored the one in a Champions League game, last minute one, our first one at home in 10 years. And much of it was a dead rubber. I think we were all happy to get that monkey off our back. Somebody at Celtic, either that night, or whenever, decided to then go to Stephen McGowan and say, we're looking to sell him in January. And everybody knows Stephen McGowan is a go-to guy. He knows if he breaks a story about Celtic, he can pretty much take it to the bank, it's true. What's, what's he thinking there to say, look, he's just scored a goal in the Champions League. Any chance you could leak this story to say we want to sell him? Know that there's an offer coming in, we just actually want to get rid of him. And then he's bombed out the squad. I don't... 
I don't really understand that. Again, I get back to the kind of stupidity of people out of club. Um, I don't know if that's the media team that's leaked at, if it's somebody, I don't know. I'd love to know. Obviously, Stephen McGowan's not going to tell you, but I just find like stuff like that really baffling. And what, what can I do for that guy's confidence? He must be desperate to leave now as well. I'm not going to defend Brendan. I don't think he can defend it. I think the, the way it worked was we went to Ibrooks a point ahead. We then went four points ahead. And at that point, we were winning kind of difficult away games and it was reasonably okay. And then we beat Motherwell late on with Matt O'Reilly and then they lost to Aberdeen. We were seven ahead. But for me, I, I, I can take dropping points, but if you question the team's mentality, you get a good response, then you beat Hibs and then you lose your next two league games. It's That's concerning. That suggests maybe the players are not really playing for them. Uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll just ask you a question, if, if that's okay. Uh, would you sack him right now? No, I wouldn't sack him right now. If, and again, this is a big if, because I know you actually you actually think we're potentially uh, going to drop points on Saturday. I think we're bad, but I don't think we're at a level where we're struggling to beat Martindale's relegation-bound Livingston, who, as far as I'm aware, they haven't scored a goal in seven games. Now, I wouldn't sack him now. However... If we don't win that game on Saturday, now bear in, bear in mind, I don't think we're going to battle Livy, I don't think we're going to win 3 4 0 uh, and put in a brilliant performance. It's all just about three points for me on Saturday, and that's it. It's all just going to be about three points, no matter what, up until the break. But if he doesn't beat Livingston, if that Celtic team don't beat David Martindale's side, then yes, um, I would say that directly after that game, Brendan wouldn't have a leg to stand on. Uh, all trust is out the window there with the players, fans, everyone. Uh, I mean, the reaction to that would be, I mean, it will make Saturday look like a wee laugh. I think people would just go absolutely bananas at that. And if that happens on Saturday, he's got to go. But if you're asking me right now, no, I still wouldn't sack him despite how pissed off we are, ma'am. Me neither. I, I, well, my thinking was we should always just try and get to the transfer window ahead, but my kind of fear the new is, because everything's so negative, we've talked about the disconnect all over the place. I don't really know if the Green Brigade are going to be back in. Obviously, they don't think it'll make a massive difference, but I think they bring a positive atmosphere. That's my opinion. I know a lot of fans don't like them and the boys, and I guess that's up to them. That's their prerogative. My kind of fear is that if we drop any more points before playing Rangers, they win their games and then beat us. The January window might not mean anything in terms of we might be quite a, a bit behind whereby we could strengthen and it, it could be too late. I mean, really, I think come the 1st of January, we should be announcing we've spent big money on these players that have been identified and they've got, this is their kind of, I know a lot of people don't like folk that use data, but it's something I think quite interesting. They suit the manager's style, they're powerful, they're physical players, they're athletes. And this is, it's something to give the fans a boost. They need to give something to the fans to to get us kind of united again. I think getting the Green Brigade back in would be a start. I think then some rumours have been signing some good players. Maybe, look, why, why not go and spend £20 million in January? Don't give us a nonsense. It's a tough window because every window's tough when you're shite at recruiting players. So I think we need, to, we need to give the fans something, but we've got some hard games. Every game for me, I just... I know maybe I'm being uber-negative. We should be able to beat Davy Martindale's Livingston, but 
I just as I say, I just don't see where the goals are coming for or where, where the style of play. Um, I hope I'm wrong. I, I mean, I hope we, we beat Livy, beat Dundee, and then beat Rangers, and then it's everything's happy days again. And I think I think if we won the next three games, and we'd be in a really good position to, to kick on and win the league. But I just don't see it. I just I think all the optimisms we kind of sucked out of me. I think if Rogers was. To draw with Levy, draw with Dundee and lose to Rangers, I don't think you would sack him. I think he's in too much wages. So I, Jesus, I don't know why I agreed to do this after my ranting last night on pod terms. This is just the same again. But uh, I, I do have concerns about Saturday. I, I, would, I would love something. I'd love to finally have a bit of consistency where we battle Levy 4-0, go up to Dundee, Town save and put in a real... Rogers-esque performance against Rangers because he's dug out some great performances against them over the years and big results. I mean, there's no team in the league he's better against than them. Uh, again, I praise Brendan. Uh, lavish praise on him after the game against Hearts, the game against Rangers away at Ibrox and even the tricky game against Livingston as well when we won 3-0 after going down to 10 men. So he's capable of it, but that was before he chopped the players under the bus and was publicly slagging them off and I think it's had an effect on them, so I, just, I don't know how Saturday's these games going to go. I don't think it's going to be pretty. I don't think Dundee's going to be easy. But you know, before the Dundee game and the Rangers game as well, uh, we do have Ask Tony to do. So Reid's always meant to be doing all this, and unfortunately, uh, we haven't pulling out because he's a coward. We're going to have to get some quick fire answers to quick fire questions that were sent in to Reid. So Tony, are you ready to do this? Yes, obviously I'm not quite as good as Rizzo, but I'll try my very best to give some kind of good answers. I'm looking forward to hearing the questions. Okay, the first one uh, is from an unnamed pal who just simply asks, isn't it obvious now that the club has learned no lessons from the COVID season? Yes, they've learned nothing. Next one is from Franco who texted me saying, now if Brendan was to go, do you trust this board to act swiftly and systematically to identify a suitable long-term progressive replacement? And is Kevin Muscat the answer? Uh, no, I think they would give the job to John Kennedy, and uh, I don't know if Kevin Muscat's the answer. By the way, I genuinely said that as well. John Kennedy would probably get it. Uh, right, okay, on to the Instagram responses now. This one is from Monty, and he's um, he asks, why do people argue about what position is a priority when we have the cash to fix it all? Great point. I, th- I, th- I think that I think people buy into the January's difficult, the windows are difficult, we need to prioritise this or that. And he's right, we could sign a keeper, a left-back, a midfielder, another striker and a winger if we wanted to, and we could probably get rid of all the draws. So, fully on board with Monty, I think we've got... This is the boss problem. You keep bragging about all this cash, but now we want you to spend it, it might be a problem. So I totally agree, every position can be fixed in January. Next one is from Scott Crow, who recently has found out that he's going to be a da. Congratulations. His one is Rogers out, rotten football, rotten pressers, just regression all round. I know we've already covered it, you don't want him out. I wouldn't sack him just yet, but your thoughts on the pressers giving them, Tony? Because I know we've talked about them before. The pressers, I don't know, have been banned. <laughs> um, I'm not in them because uh, I, I think a lot of people actually want to know why we get banned. I've not actually said it now, so I will say. Basically, what, what happened, we retweeted a tweet that was after Rangers dropped points to Aberdeen. And I think it was something like, let's kind of strengthen, kick on for here, and 
sacked Lowell and his bastard son. So we, we retweeted that by mistake, I must admit. Somebody retweeted it and they meant to tweet it for their personal account. We got a phone call, we say it's unacceptable. Don't think the manager would want to talk to you because he works closely with this person. And if it was any of the other organisations like Clyde, yada, 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 you, you would, they would be removed as well. So for me, no issues with that. I said that at the time to the person that phoned me. I can understand why the band is. That's fine. It just concerned me that they're actually caring about what a stupid podcast retweet. Um, so for me, I'd, I've never actually met Brendan Rodgers. I've never been at any pressers. I did go to a lot of the Ange pressers and I enjoyed them just because I really liked Ange. I got pictures with him. It wasn't very professional to be fair. So I've no problem. Somebody like me probably shouldn't be in in media conferences, I don't think you get much of them. Me and Ange managed to have a laugh with them on a couple of occasions and, and I did enjoy it for a purely personal fan point of view. But in terms of media, I th- well, I think, I think the fan media do ask some really good questions at times. And I think um, there was somebody kind of put the recruitment question to Rogers. I think it was somebody from a Celtic state of mind recently and it, it was a good question. So I think there is value in them, but I think... Um, I don't think they're running very well, and I think Stephen can, uh, Stevie can obviously say as well that this kind of short notice, and it's you kind of get treated a bit like children. So make sure you ask one question and don't introduce yourself, and it's it's sort of kind of bullshit to be honest. So um, I don't, I don't, I've not really been listening much to Brendan's press conferences. It's just I don't really. I used to listen to every one of Angie's because I enjoyed listening to him. Uh, I do, I do like Brendan, and and I love him for what he done the last time. I, 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 well, look, if he, if he loses to Livy, for example, something like that, or Drew, then, and, and to be honest, if he gets sacked tomorrow, it wouldn't particularly bother me. I don't think he's done anything to, to prove he should, he should be kept in a job, but I would give him the transfer window to see if he can turn it around, because I just, I don't, I don't buy that you just become this dreadful manager overnight. Uh, Jungle Tits, great name. Is the league realistically salvageable? Of course, it's realistically salvageable. Yes, we can still win the league. (laughs) But so many things need to change. There needs to be unity. I think unity is number one. I think the the manager and the players, I'm hoping, are having major discussions. Hope the captain's involved to how we can change this. Um, They need to get stop banning fans, like bring the Green Brigade back in, the boys will come back in, get the atmosphere rocking again. Let's let's be unified. I think we're we're our strongest when we're a unified club. Uh, But we're a far away away from that now, and if we recruit properly in January, but again, I think the recruitment team's poor. So can we win the league? Absolutely. Will we win the league at the moment? I, I don't think so. I just, I, I just, you've seen this kind of movie before, and I think we're on the down, and I, and I think it'll get worse, unfortunately. Keenan McNulty 7, Whitney McEwen 5, and Marty Boy 99 arguing down the road of Sack Rogers, basically, but we have covered it. But there you are. Just don't want them to feel as if they've been ignored. I'm going to move on to Ben Ewart here, who says we have 15 duds in the playing squad, at least. Do you agree with that, Tony? Uh, let me just get through who I think's a dud. Well, I think Hars a dud now. I think Taylor's off the boil. Kobayashi, Burnaby. Um, well, let me think who else. Um, Forrest, Mikey Johnson. I'm counting. Um, I usually don't count past six. Uh, <laughs> so I think. Um, oh come on, Turnbull. I think's about a dud. Quan, whoever he is. <laughs> Tellio. I don't think he's gonna do it. And Yang's have been a bit of a dud. Bain's a dud. Ralston's a dud. Fuck, I might get more than, more than 15 here. Seagrass doesn't really played, so I guess he could 
putting as a dud. I, I said Mikey Johnson, didn't I? Surely I said Mikey Johnson. I could have missed him out. Um, I, I, I would agree with Ben. There's probably 15 or more that you could say are duds. I don't know if the people I've named to he's he's thinking. I'm sure there's probably a lot of similarities. Yeah, there's there's a lot of poor poor quality in the squad, which is um, unforgivable. And his brother, SE250. Playing squad, the board, the manager, recruitment, what area did you sort initially to resolve the mess? Uh, and I'm guessing it starts with a B. In the short term, it, it doesn't. Um, I think that the teams, obviously, because the board are not just going to turn around and go, Merry Christmas, Tony, you're all resigning. Desmond sold us to the Saudis. You enjoy yourself. Thanks for saying that in gig pod. We all tuned in and you're spot on. So um, that's just not going to happen. I think the playing squad's got to be the, the main focus as much as I'll shout to him blue in the face that loads of people at the top of the club should be removed. I don't think it's going to happen. So need a new goalkeeper, need a new left-back. But we need to be signing people that fit the profile for Rodgers. We need people who are physical, athletic. And as much as I think everybody's now saying we need to sign in January to win the league, you need to be signing in January players that can then transition into either... Well, hopefully playing in the Champions League for us. So I think we need to spend a bit of cash. But for me... Uh, playing squads the number one um, to, to try and improve that going forward. Even if the next few results don't go our way, we need to be looking to improve in January massively. Okay, Gabe McCahill asks, if you can only sign two players in January, then what positions would you be going for? That's a good question. I need to say goalkeeper. I'm sorry, Joe Hart's just that punching balls that he could have let bounce and then catch. I just can't watch it anymore. Uh, so goalkeeper and... Um, it's between kind of striker and left back for me I think left back exact same for me goalkeeper and left back I think is the priorities for January now Lewis T51 was Rogers the best option in the summer after all I mean for me I think he was but it's, it's, well, it's easy in hindsight when he's lost two games and we're out in the Champions League to see wasn't he but he did start well and he got the big one at Ibrooks, but I think you would probably say and I think in hindsight, maybe that was more to do with Michael Beale being a complete diddy. Um, but he did get some big results and it started off quite well. But maybe not. I, I don't know who else we even spoke to. Um, with Graham Potter, was he, if he would ever have been interested, I don't think he was. He would maybe have been better. Nutson's always talked about whether us or Rangers lose a manager. Still don't know if he'd have been any good. If he draw on Saturday or lose, then no, he obviously wasn't he, but... We'll see. I don't know. I don't know. If he turns it around and wins a double in May and then we get into the Champions League next year with a really good team and actually do something, then yes. Is that going to happen? <sighs> Probably not. Two more to go, right? Because uh, unfortunately, with Reid's not been here, he didn't get to answer the specific Reid's questions from Will Hogan, Dave Wilson, 94. And uh, there's a guy that doesn't want his name named on it. So I'll ask him at a different time. So this one comes from Aiden underscore, and he just asked, do you still believe Rogers can improve the team tactically or with new signings? I think with new signings, it, it probably can improve, just due to the fact that we can't get any worse. Uh, maybe as a case of he's just, the modern game has passed him by and he's lost his touch. Um, it, it could be that, and if that's the case, we are in big trouble. But um, for me, I would give him quite a bit of money to spend. I'd let him trim the squad and hopefully we can we can buy some real quality in January and then give him a shot. But my fear is it could be it could be just a big game up by then. I think with the the next four games we have because I don't think we're going to announce a signing before the St Mirren game. 
Yeah, I would agree with that, mate. And uh, last question from Leonossi. Why do people talk about lack of an atmosphere without the Green Brigade, but don't create one themselves? I think uh, we're just so used to having the Green Brigade and the boys. I'm sure there's probably people all over the stadium that have tried to create an atmosphere and it just doesn't work anymore. It's, it's okay to say, oh, the jungle was brilliant and the Martin Lira and Stratton. It's just, I think maybe we've kind of become lazy. We just expect it for the boys in the Green Brigade. And I just think without that kind of coordinated atmosphere, it just doesn't happen. I think that's a, a modern football thing. Um, but if there's no accorded coordinated atmosphere it just doesn't really occur unless you're in, in South America where the fans are just absolutely phenomenal at, at all times and I'm sure there's other countries as well but I think there's just a kind of reliance and expectation for the boys in the Green Brigade to provide an atmosphere and uh, I guess maybe most people don't want it nothing worse than if you start up and go hell and nobody joins in you're a total wanker so, so I think people are just relying on the Green Brigade and the boys now and, and hopefully they're back in as soon as possible. Right, Tony, see before we go, um, and before I say to people where they can find you, I'm going to leave you with this one to ponder um, for everyone screaming about Brendan Rodgers and how he has to get funds in the January window. Here are his January transfer window signings when he was at Celtic in his first spell. So there's been Marvin Comper, Lewis Morgan, Charlie Musonda, Scott Bain, Jack Henry, season after that, Vacuum Bayo, Marion's Fed, Timothy Weir, Ollie Buck, Andrew Gutman, Manny Perez, and Jeremy Tolian. Now, still want to give him a lot of money to spend? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna need feedback on you here. Marion's Fed was not a Brendan Rodgers signing because as soon as we signed Marion's Fed, his comments where he knew nothing about him and he thinks he would be good for the club. For me, I think that's just that I'm sorry, I know I, I, I'm sure he's maybe responsible for some of them, but I just I think that's mostly the board. I mean, I guess in 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 talk back, if you look at the end of his first season, we won a treble. The end of his second season, we won a treble, and at the end of what would have been his third season, we won a treble. So I know he's that that, that recruitment, the, the players you just named there were dreadful. None of them done anything for Celtic really. Um, but I, I, again, I, I know I'm, I know this is kind of where we're slightly different. Whereby I would just blame the board for that. There, there's no way that. Like Brendan Rodgers wanted John McGinn and uh, Castagna, and then we gave him guys like Malumbu and fucking Izagiri. So um, I get that he's, he's recruited poorly at other clubs for sure, definitely. Um, but for me, uh, you need to give him the money, you need to give him the chance. I know you maybe disagree, but there's no, there's no way he said, signed Andrew Gutman and Perez. See what you think back. Like, what, what were they signing? So these two guys for like American. Soccer college or something? Jeez. Uh, we're, a, we're a strange club at times. Poorly ran club, to be more accurate, Tony, but I, I will take your point. Some of the players mentioned, right, uh, weren't Brendan Rodgers' specific signings, but regardless, even guys like Kwasi Abui uh, in the first season definitely were, because he was talking him up, he was bigging him up. He was a dud as well, so arguably maybe never even get a chance, but he never improved the team. So that's what I do worry about. I worry about uh, Brendan getting the funds and players coming in that are duds but I guess the immediate concern is just actually getting three points on Saturday against Livingston and then we'll worry about that later eh, after more big games to come ahead for Celtic right anyway I've talked enough uh, I know we usually do this for half an hour but due to the nature of the result of the weekend and just Celtic in general I just felt as if we needed to have a longer episode than normal so I don't know some people have alarm bells ringing even more after this or it's helped some people cope with Saturday eh, they probably will end up just hating us anyway Tony but 
can't blame them for that. So tell everybody, uh, if they want to listen to you and your podcast, if they're sick of me and Rizzo, where did they go? I, I think it's uh, Spotify, if I ever listen back, and then I think we're on Apple as well. Um, I don't know for anywhere else. It's Dan gets all the credit. He is the, the brains behind the operation. He edits everything and puts it out. So uh, Spotify and, and Apple Podcast, I think, is where you can find me, Ranting and Raven. Uh, thanks, Stevie, for having me on. And if anybody was, was really... Unhappy with that, want to rant, uh, just send all the Instagram messages to Gigpod because I can't be asked listening to these. Thanks for that, Tony. I so uh, Tony neglected to mention the name of his podcast. It's actually at Pod Tims, Full Tims, and a podcast. And they're on X slash Twitter, an app that we would, of course, never criticise. But they're also on Instagram, our wee uh, safe haven where uh, nobody actually abuses us. Right, so thanks to Tony for coming on. Again, please abuse Rizzo for being a coward and not doing this. I know it's been a longer episode than usual, as I said, but felt it was necessary now to discuss really a lot of problems at Celtic. Hopefully we can snap out the malaise soon. You know what to find us. We are on Instagram at Gigpod. We really appreciate the subscriptions on Spotify. You can find us there just if you search Gigpod and the same on uh, Apple Podcasts as well. So thanks a lot for listening. Myself and Reeds are going to be back for part three of the 2010-2011 Rewind season. God, talking about a season when Celtic didn't win the league, and yet it was actually a joy looking back on it compared to now. Unbelievable, but hopefully the glory days will uh, still continue this season and we'll snap out this, as I said, soon. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later on this week. Hail, hail. Podcast Network.